what I really want to speak to is that father, that dad that's listening right now to really evaluate, are you just going with the flow? Are you trusting other people to make sure that good things happen in the lives of your kids? Are you taking very seriously the mantle of responsibility God's given to you uniquely in your own home? Welcome to Calvary Life, a podcast for the sake of Calvary Baptist Church and really for believers anywhere, anywhere this might be beneficial or valuable to you, things that God is showing us, teaching us, things we're working on in our own church, which we think are transferable and valuable for you in your context too. So glad you tuned in today. I'm Paul Thompson. I'm Charles Uptain. I'm Eric Donham. I want to share a beginning of an article that I read recently by Greg Morse, and it's entitled this, Prophet, Priest, and King, the High Calling of Christian Husbands. Okay, here's his intro statement. So I want to read this first paragraph, and I want to get your reaction to this. Okay, so here's how he starts. He says, as our cultural moment seems to spiral into greater disorder, Men of God do well to ensure that they attend to their own households. With so much happening beyond our walls, the temptation can be to neglect what happens within them. We can fail to realize that our homes are precisely where many ungodly arrows are aimed. The attempts to redefine marriage, maleness, and femaleness, and what constitutes a quote-unquote modern family are swings of the axe at the same trunk. The Christian household, in glad submission to God's design, has been secularism's target all along. Our churches will be strengthened, and the trajectory of culture helped when more of us resolve with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Eric, what's your take on that? What's your reaction to that paragraph, hearing it for the first time? Well, I I think it's true in that when you look at the roles and responsibilities given to us, um, I think it would be hard to argue that um, the family structure is what is what everything's built on. It's what God has designed, and it's what really is, is starting to crumble at this point. Um, when you look at what the world has done with marriage, we've redefined that or attempted to. From gender, we've redefined that. Even the roles of man and woman, husband and wife inside the family, we're, we're even redefining that. And so it's, I don't think it's any surprise to any of us that... Um, we see uh, the weaknesses manifest when we're not doing those God-given roles that we've been called to do. Now, part of my challenge today and what I want to offer for you listening is not just not just a critique of culture, which that's, I mean, that's certainly necessary and probably easy enough to do, but I want to challenge the men that are listening um, And this is not to say that women, as wives, as mothers, your role is not critical. 
that you do not have a God-ordained, God-given role as well. But I want to speak specifically to challenge men today in stepping up and taking on responsibility and roles in their homes and not be passive about it. Mm. Um, I think one of the things I was guilty of as a father when my when my kids were at home and when my kids were younger one because we were so active in the church and we were there all the time sunday mornings sunday nights wednesday nights is assuming that the church would handle the majority of their christian education um like some of you that are listening there was a, a long season of my kids lives when they were in a christian school and mm-hmm. so again assuming they're getting the proper support to what they're hearing at church and also what they're seeing at home, but really being a little bit more passive about that in terms of um, training and teaching and worshiping even in the home and pass that on to others. So what I, what I really want to speak to is that father, that dad that's listening right now to really evaluate, are you just going with the flow? Are you trusting other people to make sure that good things happen in the lives of your kids? Are you taking very seriously the mantle of responsibility God's given to you uniquely in your own home? And in, in, in light of that, you know, I've read a book here recently from Bodie Bauckham, uh, Family Shepherds, and that's the whole context of, of that book, and that's what I was asked to speak on at the kids' camp out. And... When you look at what Scripture tells us that men, fathers, husbands are to do inside the family unit, um, those roles are huge, and they're not to be delegated uh, to anybody. And like you said, I think so many of us have delegated our roles of discipling our kids to the children's pastor or the youth, youth pastor, and we neglect that in our own home but yet when you look at the number of hours a child is actually in church versus how much time they're in in at the home or in school we get them what two three hours out of 168 in a week and and so it's profound the amount of time i don't want to say wasted but those lack of opportunities we take at home that we should be training our children because when you look at how the world does its business, the world gets our kids a whole lot more than our youth pastor does. And the world is a very, very good discipler. I saw somebody posted this on social media this week. Just a reminder that 75% of the time you'll ever get to spend with your kids is over by the time they turn 12. It's true. And 90% of your time with them is gone by the time they're 18. I don't know the origins of that stat, but either way, it's got to be close. It's got to be troubling. Eric, you mentioned the the father and kids camp out mm-hmm. that we do every year. And so I know that you spoke of that and you gave a challenge to the men there. And I wasn't there to get to hear it, but I got some feedback from it and, and how en- encouraging it was, helpful it was, but really kind of kind of a maybe a, a poke in the chest for some of these guys mm-hmm. to step up. Give us a, a thumbnail sketch of the challenges you gave those, those dads around the fire that night. Well, it, it kind of goes along what we've already discussed in that how society has redefined the role of man. 
in the many men in today's society here in America, especially, we've uh, been redefined as being the material provider. And if as long as we're providing materially for our kids, we're good. That's what I'm supposed to do. I've got food, shelter, clothing, and yet, in the same time, we're neglecting this, the important thing, and that's the spiritual portion of it. So we went through Scripture, you know, training a child in the way they should go, you know, and all the different Scriptures that they covered men discipling their children as well as men discipling their wives. Ephesians 5 comes to mind. And just laying down that gauntlet that, that our families are a gift of God. And that when we stand, like Paul says in Romans, that we have all given account of ourselves to God. And he asks us that question, what are you going to do? What did you do with the family I gave you? Um, what's the answer going to be? Because as I look at my kids, and they're not out in the world yet, um, but the challenges I see from Scripture is, have I trained them to to contend with the world have I trained them in such a way that when they go out into the world not only can they withstand the onslaught that's coming but can they push back can is there are their feet firmly planted on uh, on the word of God do they have their own faith in God have we shown them our children that God is important in our own life because if we're not showing our kids at the house that it's important to us, well, that's not going to be important to them either. And so one, one of the challenges that I laid out there is there is no excuse for not discipling your children. If your job is such that you don't have time to disciple your children, you should really look at what job you carry. Um, because the most important thing is the eternal thing. Did you get any, I won't say pushback, it's probably not the right word, but did you get any people coming up to you and saying, and how do I do this? What, I mean, help me out here. I, I want to do this. I want to make a better influence, but I got this going or I'm doing this or. You know, I, I did because it, it's such a foreign concept to many um, and, and right, wrong or indifferent. Many men don't even know how to pray with their family. And, and so it's like, well, what does that family worship look like? What are you talking about I have to do? Well, you know, it starts with men themselves being in the Word and praying and doing their walk and, and doing their relationship with the Lord um, and teaching that to their children. In other words, so when they see me, with my Bible open, when they see me in prayer, they know that that's a thing. That's a thing that's important to him because he's doing that on his own. You know, so he has that relationship. And so when, you know, my wife and I are sitting down and we're talking about, you know, things of God, we're praying over things and we're looking at Scripture, the children see us doing that as well. And so that's the beginning of it, just to see us in our walk, much less that, that worship. What does family worship then look like? And that, that question did come about, and so we, we, we batted around a few ideas with that. Give me some thoughts on that, um, like how you challenge people or encourage people or you know, just gave them some instructions even on that. Yeah, so you know, it doesn't have to be really complicated. Um, it could be something as simple as on your 
you know, Sunday lunch, after Sunday dinner, after we've come and listened to you preach, say, hey, let's talk about what Paul preached on today. What do you, what'd you think about that message? What are some of the things that you took away from that? And you bring that back to the back to the forefront so we can hammer that out and go over through some of the scriptures that you talked about and take us into other scriptures. Um, if you look at most of the commentary, like Family Shepherds that, that Bodie Bauckham has written and, and others, they would tell you that there's three things, that there would be songs, that there would be scripture, and that, that, that there would be prayer. And it could be something very, very simple, 15 minutes maybe tops after dinner. Just sit around the table, have a song, just sing a song, or in my case, just mouth it because the kids get me to quit singing, <laughs> you know, and prayer and discuss scripture. And, and it's really, I got to tell you that it's a little hard at times, but once you do it, it's like anything else. It just becomes easier and easier. Charles, you were you did children's ministry for a long time, and so you know what it's like for parents to kind of defer the spiritual care to to the professional, quote unquote, the paid professional. What's been your experience in trying to encourage people to share in that responsibility, or really not even share the responsibility, to see that we're actually trying to partner with you? We're trying to help you because you're foremost we're not we're secondary we're we're backups or support systems to you how do you what have you done with that in children's ministry over the years well i know zach and i've even talked about that a lot uh together over the years and a lot of times it's just from a church perspective it's there are things that we expect our teachers to do um on a week by week basis and really it's it's a lot of communication with parents for that um, you know, most of the materials that, that children have has something that goes home with them. And so I've just tried to encourage parents with that is, is just like Eric said, use the, what, what they have learned at church on Sunday, ask them about it, ask them questions about it, read the, the uh, stuff that they take home with them to see what concepts they're learning and how you can then use that in your further mm. discipling of them. Um, that's the biggest thing is just really engagement. It's just staying uh, true to seeing what's going on with your children, what, what the church is trying to uh, teach them that week or that month or whatever the theme is. Most of the time, literatures have, you know, every curriculum has memory verses. It has things that can be done at home. It just takes time for the parents to really clue in and be there, uh, be a part of what we're just trying to give to them. But it is it's a balance. You know, we're trying to like you said, partner with the parents, see that they have the responsibility. But most of the time, those parents, like Eric said, are, don't feel comfortable doing it with it. They don't feel like they can do it by themselves. So as a children's pastor, you really want to have one-on-one -on -one conversations. You want to give them resources. You want to just uh, help them really pick up their game so they're ready to then lead their family in that way. Hey, Eric, I want to ask you something kind of as an offshoot of that, too. You know, talking about following up on messages like you're talking about, and Charles talking about the material. And, you know, we've tried to be intentional about even creating a common thread of material from children all the way up through adults so that you're at least talking about the same text. It may not be the same level of explanation mm. and all that, and application won't be exactly the same, but the same text. So to try to give those tools to you. But something just struck me the other day, and Reagan and I were talking about 
parents and their responsibility in terms of what their kids are hearing at school mm. and as a as an opportunity a jumping off point for discipleship and i was talking with reagan just sharing that in my experience in the past as a as a student minister i was really surprised a lot back in those days by how few parents even knew what kind of conversations their kids were having at school or even what they were being taught in the classroom um what kind of experience have you guys had as parents and you know both from young ones and to into teenagers of using just those natural opportunities to disciple sort of organic opportunities to disciple just based on tell me what you're what you're discussing in school or yeah tell me about that what'd you hear what'd you learn about that or kind of conversations they're having kind of how are you guys leveraging those times just just knowing what your kids are hearing and doing and being exposed to into discipling opportunities yeah that's a great question um you know that because and i think this is a twofold answer there but because i came to faith late I came with a lot of baggage myself, and so I know the things, or at least I know the things that I believed coming out of the world. And so one of the things that we, um, that we do at my house is just make sure we have that, those open lines of communication, and we tackle any subject that comes up. Now, there are some that are age-appropriate. We push off until later on. But I give the girls complete freedom to ask me any question. And, and if they don't have any questions, then we'll see something on TV. We'll see something, uh, a billboard, for instance. Billboards are probably the first thing that started really bringing up serious questions. Um, and so I try to get them to understand. I tried to get them to understand early on that you have the world will tell you one thing the gospel tells you something else and you have to know the difference and when the world tells you one thing you got to hear the lie that's in it and so we we discuss things that come from social media we discuss like you said you know hey tell me about your conversations at school tell me about some of the things that you had in class because, um, you know, of course, they're, they're hearing and learning every day. They're retaining a lot. And it's just been really exciting to see them come, well, hey, here's this. What do I do with that? It's like, well, let's take that onion and peel it apart. Let's take the Word of God and just open that up and see what happens with that. And they've become unafraid to ask any question, you know. And so it's been really oh, interesting great. to see what the Word of God has done because we'll tackle any of it head on and to this point now that the, the twins are 15 you know and so they're virtually adult conversations you know I mean there, there's some things that we don't get into just yet but I'll throw something their way I'll find stuff on the internet I was like all right peel this onion see what you think and it's been it's been really exciting you know those kind of conversations that you're having uh, kind of to your point earlier Charles I think maybe some of our our parents, some of our dads may think, you know, I'm not equipped to answer those. I'm not, I'm not equipped to answer those Bible questions or those apologetics. Charles, how can we help our folks see the value of things we're doing, like open classes as a means to equip you? Like, Eric, right now you're teaching apologetics. Mm -hmm. Well, you're probably getting apologetic questions from 
your 15 year old twin daughters. So you're getting those worldview challenges. Like Charles, help our folks see the there's a role here in these open classes beyond just you learning stuff that equips you as a trains you as a disciple maker. Yeah, I think you know that's one of the the biggest points of why we wanted to start these open classes is it's a way that we can help train not just not just in general our church family but also even our teachers that's like why i really enjoy the idea of of a teacher taking a break and coming to some of these classes so that they can take what they learn about systematic theology or apologetics back to in their teaching and i think the same thing goes to your home you know if you're able to go through some of those open classes and talk about the books of the bible or you're able to talk about the fear of of man or whatever the subject is there are definitely points of that that you can take home and discuss with just normal things that come up you know i love the fact and i think i see eric do the same thing i love the fact that i get to take my kids to school every day Um, some of the best conversations me and charlie now have i've done it with all of them he's the last one in the car with me now uh, are those 15 minutes of going to school and we do it every day through school. And so those are great opportunities to have that discussion. And it may be something's on the radio and we end up talking about. It may be something he's doing at school. Um, but a lot of times what I can learn or what I've put him, you know, filled my tank, so to speak, if would be through a theology class or something like that is why those open classes kind of tie into that. It just comes out naturally when you're looking for something you're, you're trying to talk if you have those those inputs you got to have an input to have an output and that's really what an open class is mm-hmm. eric i want to jump on something specifically that you said a moment ago that might be a little bit more controversial to some people or i don't want people to miss this point okay so we're talking about god-given responsibility for spiritual leadership in the home primarily for men and you mentioned discipling children and then you said and discipling our wives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as soon as you said that, I was thinking, okay, I got a follow-up question to that in a little bit because I'll bet you there'll be people that are listening will be thinking, is that a thing? Is that mm-hmm. really a thing? You know, because we have all these issues today and controversies about male roles, female roles, complementarian, egalitarian, et cetera, et cetera. What is my biblical responsibility as a husband to my wife in terms of discipleship, disciple making. So Eric, jump on that just a little bit. Um, why we're, why you're supposed to do that, why that is a thing mm. and not just your thing, not just your family's thing, not just a function of your personality or Melanie's personality, but here's something we do because this is what we believe the Bible requires us to do. And then, and either of you guys jump on this, Tell me some ways that you're doing that in a, in a practical way. Like, what's that look like at your house? So, you know, and we talked about this on Saturday even. You know, Ephesians 5 talks about presenting our wife without spot or wrinkle, you know. And, and that's a command. Um, and that's for us. Uh, and so the question is, like, well, how, how do you do that? Do you do that with clothes? Do you do that with cars? Do you do that with a house? You don't do that with any of those things. You do that with spiritual growth, both of you. you the two are stronger than, uh, two together are stronger than the individual pieces. And so it is our responsibility, but yet, and again, the challenge to men is that 
if you look at most Christian, uh, a, a, a large percentage of Christian churches or Christian families today, how many men are truly the spiritual leaders of the family versus the women being the spiritual leaders of the family? And it's an inverted role because the men are the ones required to do these things. I'm um, not saying that, uh, you know, and, and again, it, it's in, in one of those roles that, that, like Melanie, brings so much balance to me that I, I would be not be near as far along without her. Um, and I think that's God's design to have us both come together like that. And so we'll sit down, and, and if I'm reading something challenging or she sees or hears something challenging in her study and her and her time just throw it out there on the table what do you think baptism saves us does that mean that i can be baptized and be saved so we'll wrestle with things like that we'll wrestle with things we hear in church we'll wrestle with things that we see that are impacting um uh, our family or our family members or things of that nature and that's kind of how we do it we just we just throw it out there. We pray over things and, and, and just continue to put God out there in front. I'll tell you one of the natural ways this worked for us. I know, Charles, you probably do something very similar because I know you also are going through um, the church's recommended daily Bible reading plans or reading through the Bible. One of the just natural outcomes of that for, uh, for Cecilia and I have been, has been just simply talking about the text as they come mm. up. What does this mean? Was this and and I'll tell you, if, if, you know, if you're listening and and you know us, and you might have one perception of what we're saying, but if you don't know the three guys that you're listening to right now are situations, let me tell you this: we all have, all three of us have, smart, godly, strong wives. So this is not just a function of personality. Mm. You know, I don't want somebody listening and thinking, well, that's just your wife. You know, she's. Maybe your wife is very passive like that, or maybe she's very submissive like that, or very whatever. We're not talking about functions of personality. We're talking about spiritual roles and responsibilities mm. and and why it's necessary. And time probably um, won't permit us to talk about what's lacking or what we lose in our home and then what we lose in the church as a result when women are the primary spiritual leaders, the primary spiritual influencers. I mean, you know, Charles, we've seen these stats so often through the years that when when dad becomes a Christian, and I don't know the stats off the top of my head, the percentage of family members and children that follow is very high. Mm. When it's just mom, it's not it's not very high. Right. And we've seen on a you know just a practical level, when dad begins to move away from church attendance on the regular, the whole family does. And so just that that barometer, that pace setter that dad is, but I think there's probably more to it than that. I think there's probably more effect than that than, than we realize the the vulnerability we subject our families to the inherent weakness that we're creating in our families i like this framework and i kind of want to wrap with this just for time's sake i wanted to kind of wrap up a little bit and get your take on this as a conclusion and that same article by greg morris that i mentioned prophet priest and king as you'd imagine he uses those three biblical categories to kind of define and describe um, God-given responsibility for men and their families. And so this is what he said. As prophets in our homes, we have the great privilege to speak the words of God to our family. We are spiritual shepherds. Too few today know the joys of hearing a father earnestly, joyfully, humbly giving voice to the words of God in Scripture. 
And let me say this, and this is really a particular challenge to those of you who are listening and saying, um, I didn't do that, I wish I would have. It's not too late to start if your kids are home. Or if you didn't grow up that way at all, I love his statement here, what many of us did not experience as sons, we can give as fathers. Mm -hmm. And he says, we speak to exhort, encourage, and charge our children to a life worthy of God. Paul recognizes this when he says, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 through 12. Exhorted, encouraged, charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. And then he says, as priests in our home, we get to intercede for our family before God. Um, he quotes John Patton, a uh, famous missionary story among cannibals. And Patton recalls his upbringing like this. How much my father's prayers at this time impressed me, I can never explain, nor could any stranger understand. When on his knees and all of us kneeling around him in family worship, he poured out his whole soul with tears for the conversion of the heathen world to the service of Jesus. And for every personal and domestic need, we all felt as if in the presence of the living Savior, and we learned to know and love him as our divine friend. I thought that was awesome. Mm. You know, this missionary learned to love God more so in his family worship, perhaps even than in his gathered church worship. That was a, a reminder. Um, that was a reinforcer of what he was already getting home. And then he says, as king, the role of king, God has firmly written into the nature of every man to lead, provide for, and defend those in his charge. As societies descend into ungodliness, this category of the three is the last to depart. It's a groveling existence for any man, Christian or non-Christian, to abdicate his kingly duties. And he quotes Paul to Timothy, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And, you know, Eric, as you rightly pointed out, that providing is a whole lot more mm. than the clothes they wear, the roof over their head, or the bed they sleep in. So what do you guys think about that, those, those three categories, and how does that play out for you? Well, um, one thing I would say to that, and, and, and uh, we may want to talk about it, we may want to talk about it later, um, is, the, is the idea that some men have of, of what priest of their family means. That I'm not sure, I think we may need to clarify that, because um, I've heard it, uh, especially on a mission trip in another culture, um, heard that statement as almost making that that man the priest of his family, as in having all the mm. spiritual uh, decision making for his family. And so I think we have to be careful. Even though I agree, and I'm I'm glad he wrote it the way he did to say that it's our job to pray for our family, yeah. and that's how we're doing that. Because, but I but I hope we you know, can can say that that doesn't necessarily mean that that man is the only um, way that God gets into that family, the conduit, I guess. Is right, and, you know, and I was reading some other articles on, on how we use those terms rightly, and, and sometimes mm -hmm. we can overuse prophet, priest, and king as, as just leadership paradigms when in New Testament context, biblically 
all Christians are all those things mm. in some sense. But centering in on three areas of responsibility for that family to speak the truth, intercede well spiritually. In that sense, just that one priestly function of I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm going to show you a pursuit of God myself and lead you in that. Um, yeah, and not read really more into it than that, not as a means of salvation, not as a conduit of God's grace, et cetera. But you might, be, you might be and probably will be the strongest voice, the strongest influencer. And the idea of king is more than just ruling over, but the protecting, serving guardian of your home and family. Um, and this is, this is not really a plug or an advertisement, but just as a, a connecting point. We're talking about on these Sunday mornings, one of the message themes has been compromise, compromise with our culture. Well, that's another role for dads to play at home, um, to guard your family against uh, the corrupting culture that's creeping in all around, it comes in through television and through through the social media that your kids are engaged in, all those things, that's part of your role and responsibility to protect them, to provide for them a context for godliness. You know, and and certainly, um, like I said, the world will try to get in any way it can. And so for us in those three roles, you know, especially the prayer piece, um, if I could just dwell on that for a minute. Um to see the effect of us praying uh, out loud with our families and then turning and seeing how your your children respond to that and then at some point they begin to pray and hear in their prayers how genuine how heartfelt how how true they are it, it's such a it, it's it, it's such a rewarding experience to hear them praying, and and all all pray them. Even even Eliza will pray. Uh, Lily prays with the best of them, you know. But um, Eliza, even in in her deafness, will pray. And and it's uh, it's fascinating to see um, God at work growing, because men are praying in front of their families and showing those utter uh, vulnerabilities you know that um, they see as genuine they see as real because our kids will will cry foul quick if we're hypocritical about things and but in this case um i love those three roles and i think we can fill them and they have to fill them And, and that is you know your last statement that's such a great point of kids will perceive very quickly and so much is either done or undone by what happens at home and the roles that we play there. So if we can help you in any way, I mean, if something that we've said challenges you or encourages you, really that that is our role. We, we want to partner with you for the spiritual health and sake of your own family. And if that means some one-on-one, and if that means some disciple-making like that, if that means some good materials or resources we can encourage you towards or put in your hands, some conversations that you want to have, please reach out to us and let us know. If you got some questions or feedback or anything that you want us to consider, email us at podcast, that's plural, podcasts, at Calvary Dothan. Wait, that's not it. 
What is it? I got to edit this thing again. <laughs> what's the it's just, Patrick? It's what's the email? Without an S. It's, it's podcast. podcast. At Calvary, at CalvaryDothan.com. Man. All right. Don't send it a podcast. <laughs> Just this one. The single podcast. <laughs> podcast at CalvaryDothan.com. And Patrick's just sitting over there smiling. He's going to do this next time. All right. So, as always, we are for God. We're for Dothan. We're for the world. We're for you. We're for you and your family, too. So, this is Paul Thompson. And Charles Uptain. Eric Dono. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.